Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 will be our beginning text this morning. Um, I'm going to finish up a series. There's really no title for the series. It's just that the thought is a constant thought from beginning to end. Uh, we looked two weeks ago at the reality of how the blood of Jesus deals with our sins and the things that we have done. Those are our sins. And that we can come to God with a clean conscience, boldly before the throne of grace, any day, at any time, as children of God, because the blood of Jesus has paved the way. We discussed the reality in week number one that when we think that we can come to God because we have been doing good, we still are minimizing the blood. When we think that we can't come to God because we've had a bad week, we're minimizing the power of the blood and that the blood deals with our sins. Last week, we looked at the reality of the cross in Romans chapter 6 that the old man has also been dealt with in the cross of Christ. And we looked at how we deal with the old nature. This week, I want to look at and answer the question of now that the old nature is dealt with, now that our sins are dealt with, how do I walk as a Christian? What does it mean to live and to walk in the Spirit? So let's look at the first four verses today of Romans chapter 8 and get started on this topic of what does it mean as a Christian to walk in the Spirit? What does that look like? What is its application to our daily living? Let's read verses 1 through 4 together. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let us pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your goodness and Your faithfulness. We thank You, God, for Your presence this morning. We thank You, God, for all that You are doing in the lives of Your people uh, here at Crossway Church, and not only here, but in other churches across the world in this country God, we hear of You changing lives. And God, this morning I pray now that You would anoint me to preach Your Word in the unction of the Holy Ghost. Help me to teach it with boldness and clarity. I pray that You'd anoint the ears of our hearts that we can hear Your Word. Anoint the eyes of our hearts so that we can see. Help us to understand. Help us to mature into the men and women of God You desire us to be. Lord, if there is anybody here this morning that's not saved, I pray that they would be saved. God, I pray that You would just have Your way with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to draw your attention to two uh, verses, verse 1 and verse 4, and specifically a phrase that is used twice. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he says the exact same thing in verse 4. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
This is the conclusion of the amazing argument, if you want to call it that, that the Apostle Paul has put forth over the last two weeks that we've studied. There is an, a, a great big therefore. In other words, there is a purpose behind having our sins forgiven. There is a purpose behind having our old man dealt with. And there is a therefore. There is something that God is desiring to come out of this forgiving of our sins. There is something that God desires from us in this coming away from the old man and and seeing the old man as crucified and dealt with. It is an awesome thing as a Christian to get a hold of what we have went over the last two weeks. It is one of the most freeing things you'll ever experience when the weight of the world comes off your shoulders and you realize the old man's never going to change. He's always going to war with the Spirit. But God sees the old man is dealt with and I don't have to have any condemnation over the old man. It is a blessed thing to see the power of the blood of Jesus and to know that it cleanses me of all my sins and that I can go to God at any time. This is so important in the Christian life. But understand, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is a therefore. God has a purpose in it. And God has a plan for your life as a Christian to not just learn how to put condemnation behind you, to not just learn how to let the the blood of Jesus deal with your sins, but to begin to walk in the Spirit. To begin to do the works of God. There is a purpose that we are here for, and it is to walk in the Spirit of the living God. Now, how does this happen? What does a life look like that is lived, and Paul uses this term in Romans chapter 8, according to the Spirit. Not according to the flesh, the old man, but according to the Spirit. This morning, I want to try to answer that in some practical ways. And before I get into the next text, I want to say this. This is somewhat of a difficult morning to teach about because, no doubt, week one and week two, every one of us can say, yeah, I experienced that. When we talk about sins and feeling like when I, you know, I... I fell at work and I, or I, I made a mistake and I, and I said something I shouldn't have said or treated a person I shouldn't have treated and, and, and all of a sudden that guilt kind of comes on and then learning that, hey, the blood of Jesus cleanses me of all my sins. All of us can relate to that. There's not anybody in here who cannot say, I have an experience in my life that relates to that. And so I can use words and I can, and I can use terms that you can relate to. Last week, because we talked about the old man, and how he, he tries to creep up and, and, and regain control in our lives. And we have to see him as crucified in Christ. We have to see him as cut off from me. That we are no longer the same. That you are the old man. You are dead and gone. You no longer have any authority in my life. We can all relate to that. Every single one of us. But I question this morning when I begin to talk about walking in the Spirit... How many can actually relate? How many will actually be able to understand 
what the Bible teaches us about walking in the Spirit. Because if you haven't done it, if you haven't learned how to yield to the Spirit in your life, you won't have any experience to relate to. And so that is the difficulty this morning. But we're going to push through that and pray that God will help us to understand it and to begin to possibly see some of the times in our lives when the Spirit has been trying to get us to go this direction, but we just don't want to yield to the Spirit. And we do what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, we quench the Spirit. The first thing I want to look at is an important passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 all the way through chapter 6 and verse 9. Now, I know this is a lot of reading, but this is an important, an important subject that I use lots of Scripture on this morning. I recommend that you write down the passages that we're going to go through and that you go through them again yourself if you really want to learn what it is to walk in the Spirit. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through chapter 6 and verse 9. This will be our longest passage of reading. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of His body and His flesh and of His bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, 
knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Okay, a lot of text, but it's very important for the first thing I want you to see this morning. Look at verse 18, chapter 5. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Do you understand this morning that the Word of God gives you the command to be filled with the Spirit? Obviously, that word filled means to be so full of it that there is no room for anything else. Uh, in the Word of God, it also has a, um, a connotation of being controlled by. We see that Jesus used the statement, Why has Satan filled your heart? We see the same statement made in Acts chapter 5 of Peter to Ananias and Sapphira. Why has Satan filled your heart? And we see the idea of being controlled with this word filled. And so it would be fair to say not only be filled by the Spirit, but be controlled by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul uses words, as any writer does, to try to help us grab our minds around concepts. In Romans 8, he says, walk according to the Spirit, to the Ephesians, he says, be filled with the Spirit. But in both ways, he's telling us the same thing. It is a command. And here's what you need to understand as a Christian. It's not just going to happen automatically. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're walking according to the Spirit. In context of Ephesians chapter 5, when he says be filled with the Spirit, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit, but there is a difference between just saying, I'm a believer, I have faith, I'm saved, and truly living a life according to the Spirit. It takes conscious effort. It takes a willingness to yield. And here's what I want you to see about the text. First of all, being filled with the Spirit is incredibly practical. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, wives, love your husbands like you should. Submit to them. Husbands, you love your wives like you're supposed to. Children, obey your parents like you should obey your parents. Workers, do a good job working for your boss and, 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 and work for your boss, your master, as if you were working for the Lord. Masters, you be good to your employees and you don't, you don't absurd uh, uh, authority upon them. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. And here's what we see. Truly being filled by the Spirit, truly walking according to the Spirit, has an effect on our everyday living. It is not something that is so far removed from our daily living that over here we're deeply spiritual, but when we talk to everybody else, when we are around our wife or our husband, when we talk to our children, the way we are at work, we're so totally, you know, it's, it's like this is our earthly life, this is our earthly stuff, and then when I show up at church, this is my religious stuff. That's not walking in the Spirit. It's not walking in the Spirit at all. Truly walking in the Spirit will have an effect on every area of your life. It will have an effect on the regular, practical activities in everyday, real life. Now, here's what I want you to see. And this is where we need God to begin to give us revelation about what it means to walk according to the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. If you have to be filled with the Spirit to truly do these things, 
then it's really impossible to do them right without the power of the Spirit. See, the husband will say, well, I love my wife. I work hard and pay the bills. There's more to love than working hard and paying the bills, sir. The wife will say, well, I respect my husband. I don't talk back to him. I don't, you know, I let him do his own thing. But are we really doing what we do from the heart? To do what God's called us to do, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives controlling us. What you're going to see is you can counterfeit all the fruits of the Spirit. You can counterfeit these works. You can sort of look like you respect your husband. You can sort of look like you love your, your, your wife. You can sort of look like children obey their parents. You can sort of look like you, you, you do a good job at your work. But in the depth of your heart, the attitude, the motivation, the, the reason for what I do and how I do what I do, you can't truly be the man or a woman of God that God wants you to be even in the small things of life, the everyday things of life. You can't do it without the power of God. You need the ability, you need to learn how to walk in the Spirit to do that. So the first thing I want us to see this morning is walking in the Spirit is very practical, okay? It's not like you're out there floating around on clouds and, and you're just deeply more spiritual than everybody else. I know people, and I'm not trying to cut anybody down, and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I'm just being real with you this morning. I know people who think they're great spiritual superheroes. They'll talk about God, talk about the Bible all day long, show up, and, and I'm, I'm not saying it here. I'm just telling you, 14 years of ministry, I've seen it. Show up and raise hands and shout for God and kick a leg and then go home and cuss at their wife. Fighting all the way to, fighting all the way to church. Dishonest at work. And they'll tell me they're filled with the Spirit. Right? I've seen people who think being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. I believe this in speaking in tongues. I believe it's a real thing. I think that, 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 that it, it does happen. I just don't believe the modern day Pentecostal view of it. But it is a real thing. But I've seen people who say, well, you know, I speak in tongues. I'm filled with the Spirit. And then you look at their life. You look at the way they live. You look at the way they treat people. You look at their family. And it's like... How can you say you're filled with the Spirit? When Paul says be filled with the Spirit, it affects the way that you are as a husband. It affects the way you are as a wife. It affects the way you are as a father. It affects the way you are as a child. It affects the way you work. It affects everything about you. It is not something that is like over here in spiritual law-law land that has no effect on my daily living. So, the first thing I want you to understand is that being filled with the Spirit will affect the way that you live. One of the things... You might find this funny, but the Bible says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, right? And God, who does not hold back, will give liberally. There was a time in my life when I knew, according to the Word of God, that I needed to walk according to the Spirit. Now listen, I had no church upbringing. I didn't know anything about the Word of God. And you might think this is funny, but I was just, I understood I had to be real with God. And I prayed every day for like a year and a half. Here's what I prayed. I said, God, I know that you know. I don't really know what it means to walk in the Spirit. I don't have any idea what that means. But I also know that you tell me to do it. And so even though I don't understand it, somehow, some way, help me to do it today. I prayed that for a year and a half as I was really trying to grab my mind around what it looks like. How does it happen? 
And I'm telling you, when I saw this passage and it just jumped off the Scriptures to me and God showed me, Son, you have been walking in the Spirit for years. You're doing these things. And you're doing them by the power of the Spirit. Notice it says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's the idea. What happens when you get drunk with wine? Somebody raise a hand and tell us we're... Um, no, just kidding. Just kidding. No hands, please. Alright. You know what happens when you get drunk? You do things you wouldn't normally do when you weren't drunk. You are influenced to do things you would not normally do by yourself. He uses that same analogy for being filled with the Spirit. You will do things you wouldn't normally do. Love people you wouldn't normally love. Forgive people you wouldn't normally forgive. Let things go you wouldn't normally let go. Be willing to die out to your own self in the situation when you normally would say, no, I've got a right here. So being filled with the Spirit is like the opposite of being drunk. It's, it's, I'm being controlled by the Spirit. I'm being led by the Spirit. I'm being influenced by the Spirit. So it has a very practical application. But now look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Paul writing to another church, dealing with the same idea of walking in the Spirit, says in verses 22 through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here it is. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So Paul tells the Romans, walk in the Spirit. So Paul tells the Galatians, walk in the Spirit. So Paul tells the Ephesians uh, to be filled with the Spirit. And we see this constant command to the children of God to walk in the Spirit. But with the Galatians, he tells us something different. He says the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. See, that's a bigger application. In our first text, we looked at some specific things. Husband, wife, father, mother, boss, children. Now he just uses words that kind of have an application to every area of our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here's what the Bible says. It says these are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit. You know what fruit does? It just grows. If you plant an apple tree, eventually a tree pops up and apples come out of the tree. And so Paul says, if you're walking in the Spirit, these things will begin to naturally just flow out of you. These things will naturally just become part of who you are. And it's not only going to affect husbands, wives in those areas. It'll affect every area of your life. Love, joy, peace. Now here's the thing that I want you to see this morning. And this is a very difficult part of Christianity. Number one, nobody can make you be honest but you. 
That's number one. Number two, none of us are to judge anything I'm about to say. Because the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, here's what you need to understand about that statement. It's a very important statement. God uh, said it through the prophet Samuel to Saul when Saul had sinned against God. And Saul said, well, at least I brought some of the stuff and I'm going to give it to God. And Samuel said, no, no, no. To obey is better than sacrifice. And he says further than that, he went on to say, the Lord, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Now, here's something that's very important about that passage. If man looks on the outward appearance, then what we do outwardly does matter. It does matter. Because man can't see my heart. So it's not that the outward appearance means nothing. Matter of fact, if the outward appearance, and by that I mean my outward deeds are evil, my outward deeds are wicked, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm a thief, I'm a, I'm a hateful, mean-spirited person, those things reveal what's in here. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But, in the, but what that passage tells us, and here's the important thing, it actually deals with being good. He's saying, you know what, Saul, you look good to the outside world. Yeah, you got a sacrifice here. Yeah, you got a sacrifice there. Yes, you supposedly did it under the Lord, but God sees all through your mask straight into your heart and sees that really you're still selfish and wicked and prideful. And man can't see that far. You can't see that far. I can't see that far. But here's the difficult thing about this. We can counterfeit these. We can counterfeit the fruits of the Spirit. And we can deceive everyone around us into thinking that really we're walking in the Spirit. We can deceive ourselves into thinking we're walking in the Spirit. Because here's the reality. Most people like to be noble. Most people like to be well-liked. Most people like to uh, have the people in their life think of them as noble, honorable people. And I'm not saying that that's altogether wrong. But that does appeal to that pride side of us. And if you want to know one of the differences between am I doing what I'm doing through the power of the Spirit, am I walking in the Spirit, or am I just trying to build myself up? Time will tell, and here's why. Because eventually, all of your good works, all of your good things that you think people in your life should be pleased with, and you think people in your life should be like, wow, he's such a noble, great person, somebody will eventually not appreciate it. Somebody will eventually say, ah, yeah, that don't mean nothing and you're fake and it don't matter. And if the motivation for doing these fruits, if the motivation for trying to keep the list of things to do is to be exalted in the eyes of people, then when you're not exalted in the eyes of people, you'll quit doing it. But when the true motivation is the Spirit of God and I have a connection with the Spirit and I'm listening to the Spirit and I'm following the Spirit, nothing will ever change because God is always good. God is always consistent. God is always right. And so the advice and counsel of the Holy Spirit is always pure. He will never tell us to do the wrong thing. He will never give us a way out to be dishonest, 
to be slight-handed, to be hateful, to be hurtful, to be unforgiving. He will never give us a little bit of rope for that because God is always perfectly good. And so, the motivation of the heart really is something only you know this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit, when it's real and when it's authentic, will affect every area of your life. Now, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, look at verse 16. The Spirit, as we walk in Him, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, here's... We're going to begin to progress. How do you walk in the Spirit? What does that mean? How do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? You have to understand something about the Spirit of God. He communicates with us. He communicates with us. What does the text say? The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. First of all, to, to, to bear witness means to testify of something you've seen. You cannot testify of something without speaking it. Now, how does the Spirit speak to us? I want to say in many vastly different ways. I have heard, and I don't question it, I don't have any reason to question it. God can work in any way that He wants to, okay? I've heard people who have said they've heard an audible voice. But I've only heard that maybe or read that in two or three accounts of literally hundreds of years of, of uh, documentation. It's not the normal way. Some have looked at, for example, when Elijah was on the mountain and there was a fire and there was an earthquake and there was a great wind. And see, we're all kind of like that, right? We want, if we want to hear the Spirit in some just like earthquake so that we know there's no question about it. But in reality, when you're looking for those types of things, you're looking for something that is in this earth realm to speak to you spiritually, but the Bible tells us the Spirit of God lives in us. Now, if the Spirit of God lives in me, he doesn't have to come outside of me and then give me an audible voice so that I can get it in my ear and then get it right back in me. So the Spirit communicates to us from the inside. Sometimes, and I'm just going to, like I said, this is a difficult thing to teach on, especially if you have no experience of it, but I'm just going to do my best to give you some legitimate examples. Sometimes it's not you might hear something. Sometimes it's a feeling. Maybe a very uneasy feeling about a situation that you just know you need to go. We need to get away from here. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a strong urging to um, help somebody that you don't even know that there's a need. You don't even know that there's anything wrong, but there's just a strong urging to help somebody. And that could be an example of the Spirit leading you to help. But here's what you can rest assured this morning. If you are saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, He is trying to communicate with you. You need to know that. And not only is He trying to communicate with you, 
He's trying to communicate with you regularly. The way of the Christian life is learning to walk in the Spirit at all times. God wants to have influence over every conversation you have, over every step that you take, over everything that you do. It's not that I just need to walk in the Spirit when I'm ready to get spiritual. Alright, God's 10.30. It's time for me to preach. Help me get in the Spirit. I need to be in the Spirit when I'm eating dinner and I've got and maybe the waitress that's waiting on us needs a word from heaven. Just as much as I do when I'm getting up and preaching. Just as much as I do when I've got to handle a situation with my kids misbehaving and I need to know how do I handle this. I need to be led by the Spirit in all things of my life. Now, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. In essence, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to my spirit. And I so wish I could just make it so simple and say, here's exactly what it will be like, here's exactly how it will sound, and you'll know. But the Spirit of God works so much more vast than that. It is not a short little box. But you need to understand that the Spirit of God will communicate with you regularly and that you need to start learning how to hear the Spirit and yield to the Spirit. Look what John chapter 6 and verse 63 says. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. You see, the born-again believer, we looked at this last week. If you weren't here last week, you have to get the sermon to get caught up. The born-again believer has two natures now. Before, he just had one nature, the flesh nature. Now that he's saved, God gives us a new nature, and it's that new nature that we are to yield to. And in John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus alludes to the two different natures of the born-again man. The Spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. If the flesh profits nothing, and it does. Paul said in uh, Romans chapter 7, I see that in myself, that is, in my flesh, lives no good thing. If the flesh profits nothing, and the only source of life is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lives in me. Brothers and sisters, we better learn how to make sure we're hearing from the Spirit. And that we're not being controlled by the flesh and the old nature, which profits nothing. And so this is an important thing that we learn. How do we hear from the Spirit? What I want to do on the back half of this sermon is, is try to give you some practical advice on how you can do that in your life. But we had better learn how to hear, how to yield to the Holy Spirit's communications to us. First of all, the communication of the Holy Spirit is constant. Let's look at John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17 and verse 26. Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Beginning in John chapter 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another Helper. See, that's the term for the Holy Spirit. Helper here. That He may abide with you forever. Notice He's called the Spirit of Truth. You see, this is where and why we've got to hear the Spirit. Because the Spirit will tell us the truth. Sometimes we don't like the truth. Sometimes we do like the truth. But you can rest assured, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, whether you're indifferent to it, the Spirit of God will always tell you the truth. Whom the world cannot receive, 
because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you, and look at this, and will be in you. Now verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, look at this statement, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I want you to look specifically at that last sentence. He will teach you all things. He brings to remembrance the things that Jesus said. He testifies to the truth of the Christ. He testifies to the truth of what Jesus has told us. But listen to the statement, He will teach you all things. Here we see the principle of the Spirit speaking in our lives about all things. I don't mean to be over-spiritual this morning, but I'm going to tell you from my life experience, I have found that the Holy Spirit wants to have a say-so in everything. Wants to have a say-so in everything. And we are fooling ourselves if we don't at least pray about everything that we do. You might think it's small, and there are some things that God, the Spirit, will just tell you. You make the decision. But at least pray and hear that from God. The Spirit of the Lord has directed me on job opportunities. The Spirit of the Lord has directed me over purchases that I should make. The Spirit of the Lord has directed me over um, things as significant as people in ministry and people that we should be connected with, people that we shouldn't be connected with. The Spirit of the Lord deals has dealt with, if you will, spiritual things like what to preach, when to preach, what what's going on in the church. And, and yet, there's other times the Spirit of the Lord has directed me with stuff that seems so different from all of that that you might think is crazy. And I don't understand it, but one of the things I've learned is you just try to yield to the Spirit. There have been times that I'm walking... And I can't explain it. But I'm planning on turning down this road and going this way, and I can't explain it. I just, in my spirit and in my heart, I, I hear it and I feel it. Don't go that way. I'll never know. I'm not going, I'm not going to quench the spirit. I'm not going to be there. There's another way home. I'll make it home eventually. Maybe it's because something bad might happen. Maybe it's because I'm going to go across and meet somebody else if I go this direction. You, we don't know, but my point is this. In all things, if you learn how to hear to the, hear the Spirit and yield to the Spirit, you will be amazed at how involved the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. And how on a regular basis, in your regular activities, the Spirit's communication is constant to us. Not only is it constant, it's perfect. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6-11. through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. The same can be said of our rulers of any age, of any day, of any time. But we speak the mystery of God. In a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory. Now go down to verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. So how does God reveal truth to us? Through His Spirit. Now look what it says. For the Spirit searches all things, 
Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. No one knows. That's you. You fall into no one. I fall into the category of no one. No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God knows all that there is to know that God has to say. And so, in any given situation... No matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what I'm handling, I have to know this. God knows. And God has all the information that I need. God has every single detail I need to know. And if I will learn how to hear the Spirit and how to pray and seek God, you'll find that the Spirit of God tells us what we need to know. The Spirit of God leads us and directs us and His counsel will always be perfect because it is the counsel of God. So not only... Here's some ways you can begin... Because here's what you're going to find. And here's what I'm trying to explain this morning. You're going to find this. You're in a situation in life and you want to do the right thing and you're a Christian. You're going to find that there's like... As you pray about it and you think about it and you meditate on it and you're trying to figure out is this just me or is this the Spirit? Am I praying right now or am I just thinking? And All of that's going to go on, Right? How do, you, how do you begin to define, are these thoughts of God, or is this just me? Or is this the devil? You know, am, am I, do I have a right to feel discouraged and weary and like I want to quit right now? Or is this the devil making me feel this way? Or is it just me? You know, what, how, how, what are some of the things that can help me identify that? And the first and most important thing is learning some of the common ways the Spirit of God communicates. You know, I, I, some of you maybe heard me make this analogy a time or two over the years. I know my wife's voice. If she's talking down the hall, it don't matter if I can see her or not. I know it's her. And interestingly enough, I know her voice at any decibel level in any tone, whether she's angry, whether she's yelling and throwing stuff across the room. Just kidding. Just kidding, Andrea. Whether she's whispering because Malachi is sleeping and she's trying to talk. I know her voice. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be one certain way. I know her voice because I've heard it so many times. This is how we need to get with the Spirit of God. Okay? This is how we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit, where we hear His voice. But it'll be constant. It'll be perfect in that it lines up with the Word of God. It will be Christ-centered. Jesus said that the Spirit would remind us of the things that He had told Him and that the Spirit would not speak of Himself, but would speak of Him. And so, if the Spirit of God is truly leading us to do something, it will always be for the purpose of furthering the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say this. It's not always easy. We kind of live in a culture, right, where we're told that you know God wants us to, be, to live till we're 120 and to be wealthier than all of our neighbors and to have great health and wealth and everything's supposed to be easy. That's just not true. 
It's not always easy. The Apostle Paul said, I know what it is to be without. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be nearly beaten to death. I know what it is to be shipwrecked. I know what it is to be starved. And yet I've learned to be content in all things. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you need to understand something. Sometimes what the Spirit will tell you to do is not going to be easy. And I want you to think for a moment, especially in dealing with our own self. That has to be true, doesn't it? Because the Spirit wars against the flesh. Our problem is we don't like the counsel of God all that often. We like the counsel of God for everyone else. We like the counsel of God to everyone else who needs to forgive us and mind their own business and do their own thing and love our family. We love the counsel of God for that. And we'll just put the Bible in their hands and say, why don't you sit down and read it there, pal? But when it comes to me and I'm offended and I want to be mad, the Spirit of God will give me the same advice He gives every other human being on earth. You need to forgive just as Christ forgave you. You need to love your enemies just as Christ loved you when you were still an enemy of God. You need to do good to those who spitefully use you and who curse you and, who, and, and you need to bless those who curse you. And, and all of a sudden, if you're like me, there's this part of us where I don't like that. No. But what I want you to see this morning is this. This is the progress of the spiritual life. Somewhere I have to understand the old man is never going to change. He's never going to be good. He's never going to agree with God. He's always going to be selfish. He's always going to give me a reason to be angry. He's always going to give me a reason to be unforgiving. I have to learn to identify that voice as the old evil man that has been crucified with Christ. I've got to quit yielding to you. And I've got to be willing to yield to the Spirit of God at all times, even if it means I have to be selfless in the situation. Even if it means just hold your tongue, man. You don't have to have the last word every time. You don't always have to be right. Sometimes what the Spirit of God will tell us to do isn't always easy. It's not always fluff. Sometimes it's like work on the heart. But I've got to be willing to yield. What did Jesus say in Matthew 26 and verse 41? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Here we see it again. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's one of the things you need to know about the Spirit of God. About the born again Spirit in your spirit. That it will always be willing. It's always willing to forgive. The Spirit's always willing to love. The Spirit is always willing to do good. The Spirit is always willing to glorify God. The Spirit is always willing to be humble and selfless. Always. Never changing. Our problem is not the Spirit. Our problem is the flesh is weak. And I have to just learn, flesh, you got no control over me. I was bought with a price. I am not my own. I now belong to God. And I have to yield to the Spirit. We see that in time of need, we get guidance from the Spirit. And I'm telling you, it doesn't just have to be big things in our life, from small things to big things. Look what Jesus said in Mark chapter 13 and verse 11. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Notice the Holy Spirit gives them something to speak. Obviously, they'd have to hear it. Obviously, they would have to have a connection with the Spirit of God so that as the Spirit gave it to them, they could speak it. 
we see the constant communication of the Holy Spirit in our lives leading us what to say, leading us in what to do. I want to say this this morning. God is speaking, but are we listening? God is speaking, but are we listening? If you're saved here this morning, God is speaking to you, but are you listening? Sometimes we're selective. We're very selective. We listen to what we want to listen to when it lines up with what we feel good about. And then when we don't like it, it's like, eh, I don't like that advice too much. I'll just kind of do it my own way and pray about it and ask God for forgiveness later. You can live your life that way, but listen, my friend, if you do, you'll never really learn how to walk in the power of the Spirit. You'll never really learn how to grow and mature into that man or woman of God that you are designed to be. We must be willing to yield to the Spirit at all times. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Spirit. Did you know you can quench the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is not automatic. You can quench the Spirit. You know what I believe? Can I just tell you what I believe? I believe we quench the Spirit so much in the body of Christ these days. You know, we're just so terrified of what people think. We're so terrified. What if it's not the Spirit leading me to go pray for this person to be healed? Well, who is it? The devil? Who else would want you to get up and go pray for somebody to be healed? Well, it doesn't fit right now. We're singing a song. And you see, now we start to argue with, well, maybe it's not really the Spirit. And one of the most practical, important pieces of advice I can give you is yield to every single inclination that you think the Spirit of God might be telling you to do anything. You know what the devil did with me for a long time? He made me so terrified of trying to do something that I thought God wanted me to do and being wrong. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. What if I'm wrong? And then I'm trying to say that God led me to do it. And so you know what I did? I did what most people did. I just sat on my hands. I won't do anything. God, You do it. You move that person to go pray for that person. You move this person to do this thing. But I'm not going to do it. And I'm quenching the Spirit because I'm so terrified. You know something? Having children helped me a lot in my understanding of my relationship with God. And one of the things that really helped me with this, you'll find this funny, one of the things that really helped me with this was watching my daughters do the dishes for about the first time. I probably wouldn't have had you over to eat off of them when they were done. Unless you've been being mean to me and I was in the flesh. But I remember how what it meant to me that they just wanted to help. I mean, the last thing that I ever would have did was say, well, this is terrible, you know. You wash dishes like your mother. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, the last thing I ever would have said was anything discouraging. You know why? Because they're trying to help. I was just blessed that they wanted to help. I was just blessed they wanted to be part of what we do at the house. And God showed me, son, that's what I'm like with you when you're trying to learn how to yield to the Spirit and do things. I'm a loving Father. And if you're doing something because you honestly believe that God is leading you to do it. You can rest assured, even if it's a little off, 
even if it's not perfect, God is not going to be disappointed and upset with you because you're trying to yield to the Spirit. And you know what that did for me? It set me free to fail. I'm going to tell you the truth. There are some times I thought the Spirit of God, I knew it. I had a direct line to heaven. I had it. And God told me. And so I'm doing what God told me to do, and all of a sudden I'm like, well, that was way off. That wasn't, it wasn't God. And then I'm grappling with this, Lord, how can this be? And how do I know if this was you last time? And now how I know if it's you this next time? Because I thought it was you this time and it wasn't. You've got to work it out and you've got to walk it out and you've got to understand sometimes you just have to keep doing what you're doing until you really learn to, t- to fine-tune that voice. I, I hear the voice and I understand the voice a whole lot more now today than I did ten years ago. And I hope that ten years from now I've even got it tuned in a little bit more. But you can quench the Spirit. Here's some practical counsel on learning how to walk according to the Spirit. Number one, obey every impulse to pray. Every impulse to pray. It might just be brief. It might just be quick. A powerful prayer does not have to be ten minutes long. It doesn't have to be sixty seconds long. But yield to every impulse to pray. Listen to and obey the Spirit of discipline and rebuke against your own fleshly attitudes and desires. Listen to the Spirit's rebuke of your own fleshly desires and attitudes. Remember that the Spirit has and always will war against the flesh. We talked about that last week. There will always be a war against the flesh. Be willing to yield to what the Spirit tells you to do about your own attitudes and your own behaviors. Practical ways on learning to walk in the Spirit. Obey every impulse to do good for others. Obey every impulse to do good for others. The Spirit is selfless. God is a God of service. He is the God who sent His Son to come and put on the likeness of sinful flesh and serve this world. And when the Spirit of God has control over us, that same heartbeat will beat through us. Obey every impulse to do good. Can I share with you something that happened here Wednesday night? We had we were doing prayer and uh, before service, and somebody um, just said, "I don't really know why, but can I read a passage?" And this is one of those things that was kind of out of the ordinary. We don't normally do it that way. Somebody was in tune enough with the Spirit to say, "You know what? I feel like I need to read a passage." And he opened up the book and read and read. Uh, Psalm chapter 91. And he couldn't see it, but I could see it. When he was reading, this girl over here just broke down. Uncontrollable. I was kind of, it was distracting to me a little bit because she was really bothered. So, or being moved, I guess, a better word than bothered. And after we were done, and he was done reading, she said this. She said, I've been struggling with anxiety all week, and I've memorized that psalm, and I've been saying it over and over and over again. And she was getting ready to ask us to anoint her and pray for her. She hadn't said anything yet. And it was like God just ministered to her to show her in that moment, I know where you're at and I know what you need and I hear your cries. And it it was so awesome. It was so powerful. And we can quench that so quick if we're not willing to yield to the Spirit and and, and, and obey every single impulse to do good. Another 
practical piece of advice. I'm almost done this morning. Examine yourself at the end of the day. Consider your day and your behaviors and your attitudes. And ask yourself if your life looked like one that was controlled by the Spirit. We have that Ephesians chapter 5 through verse chapter 6 verse 9 that tells us sort of what our daily living should look like. Examine yourself at the end of each day and just ask yourself, was I controlled by the Spirit today? Or did I kind of let the old nature try to control me? Do what I did and pray for God to help you accomplish walking in the Spirit. Be willing to step out and obey the impulse the Spirit will give you to believe that a supernatural God is asking you to join Him in the supernatural work. As our worship team comes this morning and I give an invitation, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There is a life to be lived beyond simply being forgiven of my sins. There is a life to be lived beyond knowing that the old man is dealt with in the sight of God. There is a life in the Spirit where I join God in the work of God. But it can only be done as I walk through the Spirit. This morning, I want to challenge the church. I want to challenge those of you that are believers. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you being controlled by the Spirit? Are you living according to the Spirit? Those are all terms concerning what the Christian life should and is supposed to look like. If you're not, would you be willing to make a conscious effort and decision and spend some time in prayer, ask God to forgive you for not being what you were created to be, for stopping at the halfway point, and realize, wait, God, you've got a plan for me in your kingdom. There's a reason for this, and you've empowered me, and you've given me the Spirit to be able to do the good works you created me to do, and to bring you honor and glory. And this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, you need to be. If you haven't truly surrendered your heart to God and turned from your sins, you have got to come this morning while today is the day of salvation. Fall on your knees before God and say, God, have your way in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my life to You. Repent of your sins and get up and follow Jesus. Father, I pray that You move all across this room this morning in Jesus' name. God, I did my best to say it. I I did my best to somehow try to describe this walking in the Spirit and what it looks like. Now I pray that You give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, eyes to see. Help us to be a people who live this in our daily lives. Help us to be a people who this world sees the power of Christ in us, working out of us and through us. In Jesus' name, all across the street.